Welcome to the Confident Retirement Podcast. Is doing the most important things alone a good idea? How comfy are you with your choices when it comes to life's biggest decisions? What is real peace of mind with financial confidence and how can you get it? Chris Fleming and Mark Peachy are the founders of LPF Advisors in Sarasota, Florida. On the show, they bring together the best and brightest minds to share with you how to have a more confident financial picture. They empower listeners with simple, common sense and financial wisdom. And now, here are your hosts from LPF Advisors. So I want to welcome everybody to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors. I'm your host, Chris Flamming. Today, I have the pleasure of welcoming Lester Morales to the show. He's the founder and CEO of Next Impact, an insurance consultancy challenging the status quo in human capital and employee benefits. Lester, thanks for being here and welcome to the show. Chris, I appreciate it. I'm excited and I love these conversations. Yeah, we're going to have a good time. So I'm I'm sure you have an interesting history, like a business history. So I'd like you to take me through that and what led you to opening your own company. So, you know, nobody ever wakes up in the morning and says, you know what, I want to be an insurance professional, right? It's not like on top of the list. You don't dress up as an insurance professional and fit in, you know, you're five years old on career day. My story starts. So I was born in San Juan, Puerto Rico. My parents moved us to the States when I was three years old. Uh, You know, I would say we were chasing the American dream as much as Puerto Rico is part of the United States. Back then, they were running commercials on Eastern Airlines. If you remember Eastern Airlines, uh, do you want to double your pay? Move to to Orlando. So my parents were like, we're out of here. Let's go do that. Normal middle-class childhood. I very much uh, identify as an immigrant, uh, although I don't know if that's the, the, the right definition of it since we're part of the U.S. and Puerto Rico, but hardworking parents, you know, uh, multiple shifts, working the nights, you know, all of that stuff. And the reality of it is normal, played baseball, was, you know, a bus patrol, you know, had friends, played hide and seek until 15 years old. My dad was diagnosed with multiple myeloma. So multiple myeloma for uh, those people that don't know is cancer of your bone marrow. So bone marrow transplant, chemo, radiation, hundreds of thousands of dollars uh, in medical expenses. And my parents who both had jobs, who both had insurance, couldn't afford it. You know, what family has a five, a 10, a $15,000 nest egg every single year. And my dad was on a single drug called Revlimed that he would have been on for the rest of his life. So my parents filed bankruptcy when I was 16, uh, 17 years old. And, you know, I don't have to tell you as a you know junior in high school, how not cool, you know, that would have been. And uh, so that kind of started my career off, at least my notion of, wait a second, I don't really understand this. You have health insurance to kind of protect you. We had to file bankruptcy. And so when I went away to college, Florida State University, where I went to college, had a risk management insurance program. So I kind of felt like the universe, the Lord was, you know, shutting me in that direction. And so I got my degree, which I'm a very rare breed that I actually do what my degree is in. Yeah, that is Uh, rare. Yeah. And especially insurance, right? And again, not a a very cool thing to say. So that started everything. So I've been in this business my entire career and I have had a very successful career 
And when I was in 2014, so I had a personal production. So I was in personal sales, did really well, top three rep for 10 years. And then I got promoted and I was the chief growth officer for North America. So I had 200 salespeople that worked for me. We were a $350 million practice. And in 2014, my favorite person in this world, my mother was diagnosed with pancreatic cancer. And if anybody ever wants to have the scare of your life, Google the statistics around pancreatic cancer. And so mom fought her tail off for three years, but unfortunately in 2017, she passed. And so, you know, with both of my parents, I got to see the good and the bad of the healthcare system. And my mom told me when she got diagnosed that there was one thing that she wanted me to always remember, and it was to bet on me. And, you know, when you work in a big giant organization and you're trying to be this innovative person and it's like moving the Titanic, you know, you can't do it. And so I literally, although I was the second in command, I was only 35 at the time, I jumped ship. I said, you know what, I'm, if I don't do it now, and what I have just seen with the two people that, you know, created me is that tomorrow is not guaranteed. And that if you're going to make an impact on this world, you better go do it. So that's what started the entrepreneurial journey was, uh, was my experience with personally dealing with healthcare okay. and the, the, the nudge for my mom. So what do you think is next impact's purpose? You know, like not really the vision of the business, but what's what's the purpose? What do you feel like is the purpose? Yeah, 100%. This is clear as day. 67% of all personal bankruptcies are because of health reasons. And so this is all about education to consumers, you know, employees of employers, that the cost and quality of healthcare changes depending on where you go. If you go to the hospital for an MRI, you're going to pay $3,000. If you go down the street to the local imaging center, it's going to be 600 bucks. Mm. But Dr. Jones is different in his quality scores than Dr. Smith. But who stops and thinks about that? So, you know, our, our purpose is simply that the, the design of the current healthcare system People say it's broken. I'm not going to say it's broken. I'm going to say it's designed perfectly for everybody to benefit, but the consumer. And if you know, you look at that, do insurance companies make more or less money when premiums go up? Does a hospital make more or less money when they fill beds? Does a doc make more or less money when people come see them? Like we have a healthcare system that is designed to keep people sick, unfortunately, And we have taught somebody never to think about being a consumer, just listen to the person. But we shop the heck out of the car that's in the driveway. We know exactly how much that car is in a square mile. I might drive two hours to go save $3,000 on a car, but do I even stop and think about what my next surgery is going to cost? So that vision is simply just to educate employers and their employees that there is another way of doing it, but it just takes one, the exposure of the information, and two, it takes us being consumers like we are in every other facet of our life. Okay. And what type of companies do you find that you typically can help the most? Yeah. You know, so I would say 50 employees and up is typically where that threshold is. 
Uh, and really, it's it's a lot of times that you know if, if there's a business owner or a, a VP of HR or CFO or somebody that's listening who gets fired up about hearing this, right? Who says, you know what? I'm tired of that same old crap too. That's usually the client that raises their hand because again, it's not the status quo, right? It's not, hey, go do this same old widget and do the same thing that you've been doing for the last decade. It is, hey, stop and think, employee, call this advocate. This advocate has cost and quality data and they're going to help you navigate the healthcare system. So it's that business owner, that HR professional that is tired of the status quo and wants more and wants to demand more from something that is typically an employer's second largest expense. Mm -hmm. So, and what areas of benefits planning right now do you think are getting the most intention? You know, there's like hot buttons all the time. Yeah. You know, in the health insurance world, I mean, health insurance is by far the the biggest, right? Because it's what it's, it's the dollar bill, right? Mm -hmm. Uh, If you look at a employer's top expenditures, salary is going to be one benefits is going to be two. And of that benefit spend healthcare is, you know, 75, 80% of that, right? So it's definitely going to be healthcare. And you're seeing a lot of things right now, whether it's politically driven, right? These transparency, things that are coming out of Washington about trying to force some price transparency. Uh, You would be blown away to see the price disparity of the same service at the four hospitals in any given city. I mean, we're talking thousands of percentage points difference in cost and with no correlation of the quality. So normally when I buy a nicer house, I'm expecting to pay more money. But a lot of times in healthcare, if I go to the very best person, they're typically a specialist. And what does a specialist mean? They do a lot of it. They do it very quickly. They're very efficient of it. Their staff knows that stuff. They buy more equipment there. So healthcare, unlike other things, actually has an inverse relationship a lot of times between cost and quality that the higher the quality, the lower the cost. And Uh so- that is getting a lot of uh, attention from a transparency standpoint. And, you know, whether we call it, uh, you know, Obamacare or Trump care or, you know, Biden care or, you know, whatever it's going to be, the government's always going to be sniffing around something that is going to be healthcare related for sure. Mm-hmm. Okay. So you say on your website, you kind of help companies to break free from the old way of approaching benefits. So how, how, specifically or generally, do you guys do that? Yeah, no, it's very intentional. So if you think about it, you know, you've worked at a company, you own a business, right? Think about what you do every year. I buy my health insurance every year. I'm expecting it to go up. Uh, It comes out at 15%. My insurance broker, you know, sends it out to market and negotiates that to the same four cast, five cast of characters that's been doing it for the last decade. Chris, what do uh, what does your insurance company call your premium revenue? Oh, okay, gotcha. Right? Yeah, so think right. about that. Do you wake up in the morning wanting to lower your company's revenue? So when you think about that, it's like, wait a second. The person who I have a hundred percent trust or expectation that they're going to help me control my cost is actually a a lot of times a publicly traded company who has shareholders that they need to deliver shareholder value. And so every year your costs go up 
It starts at a number. Somebody helps you negotiate that down. We typically come back in a room. That's typically the highest wage earners in the in the company, right? A CEO, a CFO, HR people, and say, "Man, if we just increase that deductible by another thousand dollars, or tweak that copay higher, or whatever, we can get that cost basis down. We'll add a couple more bucks out of everybody's paycheck every year." And that's how we've handled healthcare since the existence of healthcare. And so what we do is that we show one, it's all about data. So step number one is ensuring that that client understands that their particular data. So a lot of smaller companies don't have access to their data. We have tools that allows us to scrape uh, data off of websites that show that you went to Dr. Jones and how much did you pay so that we can understand, well, wait a second, first of all, if that 15% renewal, is it fair? Nine and a half times out of 10, back to the what you call premium, they call revenue. No, it's not fair. They're trying to make a profit. And so it starts with the data, and then it goes with the notion that there are a few things that people can do differently. So what we like to do is design door A and door B. Door A is employees do exactly what you were doing last year. Dr. Jones, go to Dr. Jones. Don't call anybody. Don't do anything different. You pay the same exact thing that you did last year. Door B is, but if you're okay to pick up the phone and work with the advocate, the advocate might be a concierge, might be a nurse, depending on how we structure it with different companies that we partner with. If you're willing to go and talk to them, they're going to make a recommendation on where you go access healthcare. If you go there, everything is free. And so you've got a choice, just like I do in every other consumer-based product and good and service that I consume. And one choice is just navigated based on the information that's available, but it's not available from the major insurance companies because, again, do they want to lower your cost or do they not want to? And I hate saying it like that. I'm a conspiracy theory, but you know, at the end of the day, we have to just understand how economically companies are motivated and incentivized. And unfortunately, this is an industry that is completely misaligned in, in its incentives. Yeah. So... That leads me to a question then. Maybe you could share an experience with about a business that you worked with where you made a huge impact. So not, not sharing personal information, but take me through kind of one of your case studies and how you were able to help. Yeah. Every uh, Friday morning, I have a team call and I just showed my team because I want people to be fired up that work for me, not because that they work for me, but because of the mission of what we're doing. Like, look at this and walk people through how each member of the team had something to do with this. But mm -hmm. it's, uh, it's a 500 life employer headquartered in Atlanta. They're getting a $600,000 increase in cost. Mm -hmm. So I take all of their data. I understand what prescriptions people are taking. I understand where they're accessing healthcare. I know what the plan paid for that same healthcare. And so we do a couple of analysis that says, first, prescription drugs. Biggest shell game there is in the world. I mean, I cannot tell you how easy it is to save companies 40, 50% on their drug costs just by bringing transparency into the mix. So in this particular client, there was a total of a 38% savings just in their prescription drugs. And that's not changing anybody's prescription. It's not changing anybody's CVS pharmacy that they went to. It is the same drug, the same person uh, got the same medication at the same pharmacy. It's just taking that spread 
of what typically a pharmacy benefit manager, a nerd talk, but a PBM, their whole job is to buy low and sell high. I buy it from the manufacturer for a dollar. I sell it to the insurance for $10 and they make that money in between. So, so that's step one. Now, the greatest part about that is another portion of that pharmacy is the expensive drugs. Those drugs that you see at eight o'clock at night when you're trying to have dinner with your family, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, let's take Humera. Humera will sell 29 billion with a B dollars this year in one medication. That medication has a patient assistance program. There's three qualifications for the patient assistance program. Must be a U.S. citizen, cannot be a Medicare, Medicaid, and a family of four household income has to be less than, I think the last number I saw, about $157,000 a year. So Chris, you're a financially astute guy. What percentage of working Americans make a household income of less than $157,000? Very high. Very high. 90% probably. You got it. You got it, right? And so- well, wait a second, this patient assistance program exists where now if somebody qualifies, the drug is now given to that patient for free and the employer doesn't have to pay it through their insurance. But why doesn't they, why don't people tell you this? So this single drug is what made my family bankrupt because Revlimed, who also has a patient assistance program that my parents who made a household income of $92,000 a year would have absolutely qualified for So right then and there, there's a half a million dollars of savings in medication that you're not asking anybody to take a different drug. You're not asking them to not take their drug. You're actually incentivizing them to participate in these programs. And if they do, their drug is now free Mm. and the client saves a half a million dollars in drugs like that. So that was just the, 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 the pharmacy side. The medical side, what we do is we look to say, well, how many MRIs occurred at a hospital when it could have occurred at an imaging center? How many surgeries occurred at a hospital when it could have gone to an ambulatory surgery center that only does surgeries? So like a knee surgery, for example, I had knee surgery in 2010. My knee surgery at the hospital costs $90,000 of bill charges. Then the insurance company gets their big discount, right? And now that discount comes back and it was $45,000. I paid my $5,000. The plan, the insurance paid forty. I now know that 1.2 miles away from that same hospital, there is a place that is called South Tampa Orthopedic. Hence the name, they only do orthopedics. They're a specialist. They will do that same surgery for $20,000. So in the types of plans that we help employers produce, the plan would pick up that 20 and eat the $5,000 that the patient paid, 25,000 versus the 40,000 that the plan picked up over there. And we just got somebody to a higher quality place who is a specialist in what they do. The patient didn't pay that $5,000 and the plan, the employer saved Uh $15,000. And that's, all day long, every day. But what does that take? It takes the employer willing to stand up to the status quo. And it takes the patient, the consumer, to take a little bit more action and pick up the phone and talk to a nurse who is going to help them navigate the system. Yeah, to educate them on what their options are. Because they, they don't know what they don't know, right? Okay. 100%. Like Just like we didn't know how much you know, how bad we were getting hosed when we bought a car without going in there educated. Now 
there are consumer-based, you know, sites and information that's out there with the involvement of the, of the internet, right? Yeah. That that we have all that information. That information is there in healthcare. They just make it super hard to get to and, and you don't understand it. So that's why we put these advocacy type platforms in place to give that employee, that member, that patient, somebody that they could go to and just pick up the phone and, and get get educated. Yeah. Yeah. There's so many things like that there in society where if there was an advocate for people, um, it would make a, a huge difference in the choices they would make and how much they would spend on those things. So what are you liking, especially about your business right now, Lester? You know, it's funny. I, I ended my meeting this morning with my team on, you get up every day, you look at your to-do list and you look at them as a task. I got to send this email. I got to prep for this meeting. I got to pull this report. I got to call this client back. And what we forget is the human element of this. So when you pull that report and you see that these seven people got redirected, put yourselves in their shoes. That's a family that just probably saved three to $5,000 on one procedure. That's a family that didn't have to make a decision on whether they made their mortgage payment or gave Sally the new pair of shoes or whatever. So there's a, a book right now that I really advise everybody to read Marshall Allen, um, and it is Never Pay the First Bill. And uh, it basically talks about the healthcare system and its inadequacies. And the reality of it is you get this bill and you're so worried about like, that bill is wrong 95% of the time. And so there's stats about like hundreds of 140 million people are in data. I forget exactly the number, but what boggled my mind is that the average human being who is in debt in the United States is in debt for $486. So what does that tell us? That tells us that the average person who's going to consume healthcare doesn't have $500 in the bank to take care of that. They're, they're literally having to make purchasing decisions based on their own health and their ability to run their family, pay their bills, eat, you know, et cetera, et cetera. And then as employers, we have allowed, we, the industry has failed employers because we've made you, we've brainwashed you to think that it's completely normal to just pay a 10% increase every single year. And the way you approach it is just to increase the deductible even more and then take a little bit more out of their paycheck. So you're giving them a crappier plan for more money. And that's year over year over year over year since the existence of insurance. And we've accepted that. And so my favorite thing about what I get to do is, and it's hard because, you know, like they say, nobody ever got fired for hiring IBM. Nobody ever got fired for hiring Blue Cross, right? That logo has such a brand equity on it. And they think that, oh man, they've got my best interest in heart. And I'm not picking on Blue Cross. I'm just saying the realities of how they're you know, compensated Premium revenue, premium revenue. So my, my favorite thing, Chris, your question is, I get to help people. I get to help people who I've been in that shoe. I've seen my parents have to make tough decisions. I've seen the fact that they were giving me $250 a month out of my dad's disability policy. I've seen, oh, wow, like we were only getting told what's happening in Tampa, Florida, but what if there's a specialist in Oklahoma 
that does that. But why would the guy in Tampa, Florida, who works for the hospital, who only makes money if that stays in that hospital, why would they tell me that there's a pancreatic specialist there? And maybe at the end of the day, 3% of people live longer than 5% with pancreatic cancer. But at that point, I'll tell you right now, Chris, I would die. I would give anything for another week with mom. Yeah. So when I think about that, like I get to build something and deliver a plan that saves people money and impacts lives and next yeah. impact the the word impact is very, very purposefully chosen. Then what would you say, Lester, is probably your biggest life accomplishment? Is it what you've accomplished with the business or is it is it something else? What a good question. Um, I don't think it's the business. If I were to look at myself in the mirror and say, you did good kid, it would be, you know, by age 40, I've lost both my parents. In 2007, I lost my mom in August 11th. I live in Puerto Rico uh, again, uh, and Hurricane Maria devastated our island. I had three feet of water in the house, 37 windows in my corporate office building blew out. I had employees that lost everything. My business partners and I at the time broke up. That cost me several seven figures in dollars. And I started this business in February of the next year and haven't looked back. So um, I get a lot of people to be like, I don't know how you did it. And... I don't know how I wouldn't have done it because I don't know any other way, right? Like I was taught, you know, in a very tough love family. Like I've, I've always felt love in our family, but it's not the, we sit at the dinner table and ask about how your day was going. It's you showed me love and tough love at that. Like, Hey, you, you look like crap on the pitching mound or, you know, get, you know, get inside and clean your room and you get a spanking every once in a while. I mean, in, in my generation, in my household, right? That was love because they were teaching you stay in the lines, do the right things. And so I think for me, I didn't know any better other than to brush yourself off and keep going. But when I allow myself and as I, I get more and more into personal and professional development, I, I try to schedule times to reflect and and give myself those attaboys because I'm, I'm not somebody that, that does that enough. I would say that I need to be proud of the adversity that I have had in my life and that the fact I still wake up. And as you can tell, I'm a very fired up individual. I'm very passionate about what I do. And I was making way more money not doing, not being an entrepreneur, uh, being a W2 employee for somebody else than I am now. But I'm just, you know, I'm passionate about what I do. I'm passionate about being a provider for other people and, and, and being a giver. So the the overcoming of those obstacles, I think, is is what I would say. Yeah, and I think it's obvious, you know, you know this as well as I do, that the money doesn't ever equate to happiness per se. It might, you know, put you in a position to maybe do things or enjoy things more, but it certainly isn't an equator to happiness necessarily. So outside of your practice, I'm curious, is there something that you're really passionate about personally? I'm a fitness buff. So okay. like, I am definitely somebody that practices what I preach. I mean, if, when you look at healthcare claims all day long, you start to realize, I mean, what do they say? 60, 70% of healthcare claims was actually preventable, right? So it's like, watch what you stuff in your fat face, right? As myself, like I think about that, I'm like, what am I eating? Like, stop eating bad stuff. And I, I correlate that all the way through the system, right? Like the pain of, what do they say? The, the pain of regret is, is bigger than the pain of discipline. And so I look at that and say, 
if I want that, I got to live like I want that. And so for me, I am a, an avid uh, worker outer, whether it's usually at some time before 5.30 in the morning. I go to boot camps. I work out on the beach. If I'm really pressed for time, I literally have a slam ball in the middle of my living room. I will do a slam ball workout in the middle. I travel and have traveled for the last decade, you know, 100 to 200 nights a year. And that's never Mm. excuse. I'm a seven day a week worker outer. And whether it's me and literally a 10 foot space in the middle of the two beds in the in the hotel room, or, you know, the gym membership or the boot camp or whatever, I just I'm I'm somebody that's super passionate about fitness. Yeah. So what do you think right now with your business? What are you most excited about? What's the biggest opportunity? The status quo continues to be status quo. So, uh, and we've already, we've done the hard work. You know, we were early, I think, in being all in on this type of design. It's starting to catch up speed. And so now we've got, you know, 60 something clients that we can show actual results of. Uh, and so I'm super pumped that, you know, things are starting to now the, the rest of the world is starting to look at these things. And so when you think of, you know, Amazon and Google and, and you know, all these employers that are, you know, flying people to get knee surgeries in different spots, like they're starting to do that stuff. So people start to kind of recognize that. And then on top of that, you're starting to see more attention put into healthcare and just how broken the system is. There was a, an article in the, um, I don't think it was the New York Times earlier this week about a hospital system in Northern California who is now being penalized that they're having to pay like 500 and something million dollars back to employers mm-hmm. for overcharging them and knowingly overcharging, right? And so that stuff starts to happen. And so when I go in and talk about what it is that we're talking about and try people to get, you know, hey, do you think that they want to lower your costs? Like people really sit back and like, it's the first time you've challenged that way of thinking. And so I'm super pumped that we've, we've done the hard work, right? Like we were, people were like, you guys are crazy three, you know, three and a half years ago. And now it's like, oh, and now I can show testimonial and I could show client results. And if you give me your data, I could show it to you in your data. So um, I'm really excited that that adoption rate is starting to happen. Mm. We've created a little bit of a brand and, uh, you know, and, and the talent that we're able to recruit from a, an employee perspective, like, you know, this millennial workforce and, and now the younger workforce, they want to work for companies that have a mission and have a vision and, and have a purpose. And so, you know, anytime I, I interview people, I start with, hey, you better buy into this process and what we're talking about, because if you just work here for the job, go work somewhere else. Like right. I, you know, and so I'm, I'm really pumped up about that adoption rate. Good. And on the other side of that, Lester, what do you think is the biggest obstacle in your business? Biggest challenge. Okay. Yeah. Like my mother gave me the superpower of being able to uh, look in the mirror and, uh, and really be uh, comfortable with the person you look at. And I would tell you, I'm a terrible operator of a business. Like I am, I'm a visionary. I'm the tip of the spear. I like getting on stage. I like being a leader. 
But an yeah. operator, I'm not that good. I don't SOP and documentation and blah, blah, blah. And so it's taken me a little while to uh, not accept that because I knew it, but yeah. I don't think I gave it enough credit of how necessary it is and how hard it is. So I think I would have hired much earlier, you know, a team that could document and do that stuff way before. But, you know, when you're putting on the the wings on the airplane while you're flying the darn thing, it's hard to kind of think about that. But the challenge for me is definitely around scale and and operational excellence. Okay. Well, and the good thing is, is there are people that like that and excel at that, that would gladly take it off your hands. And, you know, uh, I I do some, uh, I have a professional business coach and they, uh, you know, it's, it's, it's Michael Hyatt and uh, they have this thing called the Freedom Compass and you put, you know, a quadrant and on the top left, yeah. it's things that I love and things that I'm great at. On the bottom, it's things that I suck at and I, yeah. and I don't like doing. It's like, how do I hire people to do this? Yeah. And so when right. you get somebody interview and they're like, that's going to be my job and 100% of it and they're like this and I'm thinking, oh my God, you like yeah. that stuff? Right. Like, you know, that's when magic happens. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's right. Yeah, just nailed it. Right. So if people want to learn more about you or contact you, what's the best way for them to do that? Yeah, so I'm super active on LinkedIn. Uh, we post videos and posts and stuff. Uh, so I would say LinkedIn, it's Lester J. Morales on LinkedIn. Our okay. brand of what we like call our program is called Transparent Health Benefits. Okay. Uh, so so thb.health is, um, you know, Next Impact is our company that does the work, but like our brand of getting people to understand what are the strategies and, and how to do it and things of that nature is uh, is, is transparent health benefits. So thb.health. And then a selfish plug, uh, we've launched a podcast like you, not nearly as sophisticated and, and how many times, but we're on, uh, I think our 10th episode now. And right. so it's called, it's called Impact Healthcare. And we interview uh, the people and talk about the strategies that are really impacting healthcare. So that's on the website too, thb.health, but it's on uh, impacthealthcare.fm. And it's a take your gloves off, let's talk about the truth uh, type of an approach. So uh, those are the platforms. Yeah, I'm super pumped about that. All right, nice. Well, good luck with that. Thank you. Yeah, Lester, I want to thank you for taking the time to be on the show today with me here today. It you've been able to... Honor. Yeah, you've been able to challenge our thinking on a topic that's important to a lot of people and people aren't aware of what else is out there and their other options. So this was very good. And I want to thank everybody for tuning in to the Confident Retirement Podcast brought to you by LPF Advisors, where we're seeking to raise the retirement confidence of everyday people to another level, one episode at a time. Thanks, everybody. And we'll see you next time. You've been listening to the Confident Retirement Podcast with Chris and Mark from LPF Advisors. For more information on them and retiring confidently, please visit lpfadvisors.com. If your ears are pleased and your mind is now at ease, do share the program with your friends and subscribe wherever podcasts are found.